On episode 24 of the Violence Design Lab podcast, I'm talking about fight callbacks. And I'm going to give you a double-barrel perspective here. As a violence designer, how do I set them up and run them? And as a performer, how do I nail my callback, show my skills to the best advantage, and get that role? All right, out swords and to work with all. Welcome to the Violence Design Lab podcast. Now here's the mad scientist himself, David Barefoot. Greetings, David here. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just joining this podcast for the first time, think of me as your personal theatrical violence design coach. I'm here to encourage you to enter the world of stage combat, to coach you towards choreographing better fights, and to train you to tackle the challenges of theatrical violence design. I've been doing this for well, 25 years now, and I want to use that experience to give back to our fascinating craft and train the next generation of fighters and designers to make it even better. So today I'm talking about fight callbacks. I guess the best place to start is to explain what a fight callback is. Some of you may be unfamiliar with them. A fight callback is simply a way for the violence designer to gauge the stage combat abilities of performers who are being considered for a role in a production. It's very similar to an acting callback or a dance callback, but there are some important differences. Today, I want to talk to actors in the first segment to tell you how to nail that fight callback, how to really show off your skills to the best advantage and get you the best chance possible to land that role with fights. The second half of the episode will be devoted to the violence designer. Perhaps you've never thought you needed a fight callback. Perhaps you've never had the opportunity, but I'm going to explain how to set up a fight callback, how to make it work for you, and to get the most out of it while making the process as smooth and and easy for your performers as possible. So first of all, let me describe the typical process of the fight callback. Now keep in mind, every violence designer is different. Every theater has a different process. This is just a way that I've been doing fight callbacks for years and have seen similar ones done by other designers. But this does not mean this is the only way that this process happens. In general, however... Fight callbacks take place after the first round of auditions. They work with the people who have been called back for a second acting audition, the callback. It pulls specifically those roles that are involved in fights that have usually some significant fighting. If I'm doing Romeo and Juliet, for example, I'm going to pull out my potential Romeos and Mercutios and Tybalt's and Benvolios. I'm not necessarily going to grab every candidate for nurse. Now, keeping in mind, many shows will have uh, minor roles that are not specifically you know, lead roles that have the big fight in the duel, but they may be background fighters in a large melee, like the brawl in Romeo and Juliet. So sometimes, even though the role you're called back for, the specific one, does not include any obvious fights, as a performer, you may play multiple roles within the production, and therefore the violence designer may want to see your fighting skills as well. So after we select that group of people that will be taking place for a fight callback, What happens? Well, normally, much like a regular callback, you're going to meet the violence designer. Uh, Often you'll give them a copy of your resume. Uh, They may be able to use one from the theater, but it's nice to have a second one for the designer to keep for their records. And often the violence designer 
likes to ask a couple of questions about your resume. Basically asking you to expand or explain any items on your resume that seem to be applicable to fighting. Now, here is where I want to caution you about putting stage combat down on your special skills. It's a very popular thing to do. The problem is simply listing the words stage combat under special skills in a laundry list of other things like juggling and dialects, it doesn't tell the designer much information about you. For example, back in college, I took a half-semester class of jazz dance and a half-semester class of modern dance. I think they were twice a week, two hours a session. So, you know, I had about 32 or 33 hours of dance in each style. And I would never put down modern dance or jazz dance on my resume under a special skill because I really don't have any kind of involvement in those fields. I haven't kept it up. That teaching and training was over 25, almost 30 years ago now, and I cannot reasonably claim to have those skills. So if you've had a single stage combat workshop five, ten years ago, or you were in a show in which you did two punches, putting stage combat down on your special skills is marginally accurate at best. So I would caution you. That said, if you list in your skills the instructors you've worked with, Uh, that have taught you stage combat, which weapon styles that you've had exposure to, if you've had certifications or recognitions from Fight Directors Canada or the Society of American Fight Directors or other martial organizations, that is good to put down. Also, if you come from a HEMA background, Historical European Martial Arts, that's also great to put down. That shows familiarity with and training in those styles that may be very helpful for the uh, a violence designer to know. And I'm going to talk about what qualifications mean from the other side of the audition table uh, in the second half of the episode. But once you briefly introduce yourself to the violence designer, you will likely be paired with a partner. Uh, this is going to be someone you probably don't know, another audition candidate, maybe for your same role, maybe for a different role, but you're going to be stuck with another person and then the designer is going to give a short piece of choreography, often in a large group setting, to all the people that happen to be there for the fight callback or groups that will fit in the available space or what have you, trying to be as efficient as possible. This is much like a dance callback, where the choreographer will give you a number of steps that you're expected to learn. Now, during this time, you will be working with your partner to learn a piece of choreography. Hopefully, it won't be that long, Uh, Again, as I'll talk about this in the later half, I try not to go above 10 or 12 moves because choreographic memory is a hard thing for some people and it takes some people time, which we really don't have a lot of in a fight callback. So you're going to learn choreography. If you are a visual person, a visual learner, this is a good thing. You can watch what the designer and probably an assistant are going to, are doing while they uh, perform the fight, that helps you. However, sometimes this will not be enough. They're going to be teaching choreography, but they are not teaching technique. It would be very strange in a Broadway audition, for example, if I 
by some strange coincidence, got called in for a tap callback and tried to ask the choreographer to show me how to do a time step. They would immediately kick me out. Now, as a violence designer, I've never done that because someone doesn't know how to throw a right cross, but this is not the time and place to be teaching a lot of technique. Usually the technique for fight callbacks is on a basic or, shall we say, interchangeable level. That is sort of a standard level of stage combat proficiency. Nothing too crazy. So make sure you ask clarifying questions if you need, and that's fine. But don't expect that you're going to be trained at the same level that, for example, as a designer or choreographer would do if you were in a workshop with them. Once everybody has gotten a base understanding of the choreography, you will be given time to practice it uh, independently with your fight partner, of course. Now, this time may or may not be uh, very long. It's usually five minutes, ten minutes at the most, uh, and it may or may not be private. That is to say, other people may be able to see you, might be in the one big room, the violence designer may walk around and be giving notes or watching you rehearse because it's instructive sometimes to see how people learn fights. So don't be uh, camera shy or, or uh, people shy if there are others in the room while you're working. Just stay focused, you and your partner, and walk through the fights. Once you're given time to practice, it is time to perform the piece for the violence designer. Uh, there will be some, usually some kind of a formal presentation of your choreography and the state to which you've had time to rehearse it to the designer, which they will take notes uh, or film, depending on the theater. And then either you will be done or you will perhaps be assigned a different partner uh, to do the fight again. Sometimes this, you're doing the same roles. Uh, sometimes it can be because there are not enough people or an odd number of people to perform the fight, and they need somebody else to perform your side, or you may be asked to learn the other side of the fight and do it again. There might be different things that the designer is looking for. And that's it. This is not everything, because you still need to do the acting callback, presumably, with the director, and if it's a musical or includes dance, you might do callbacks for those as well. But that's all a fight callback is. It's just a brief way for the violence designer to give you a piece of choreography and see what you can do with it in a short time. Now, what are the goals that you're striving for here? Are you looking for perfection? Are you looking for a performance-level fight? No. There are three main things you need to deliver during your fight callback. Control, commit, and convince are your three watchwords. The first is control. Your speed should be slow unless you are specifically directed otherwise. It takes a long time to rehearse a fight up to performance speed. And when I'm doing a show, it is not until the final couple of weeks, sometimes uh, the last week, when the fights are brought up to full speed. So I do not expect and do not even want a fight that has had six or eight minutes of rehearsal to be performed at full speed. It's not safe. And honestly, I don't need the speed 
to learn what I need to know about the performers as a violence designer. So do this fight, I often call it like uh, Tai Chi speed or, or flow speed, but here's the thing, don't think of this as a marking. You're not just walking through the fight. This is the speed of focus. Uh, R&D choreography often calls this focus speed, and that's a great term. This is the slow speed that allows you to focus very intently on every piece of the fight because your body has time to look at what it's doing, give feedback, make adjustments, and do all the things that allow you to fight that choreography perfectly before you've had a time to work it into muscle memory and and be able to do it faster. So control your speed. If you do this well and the fight looks good, the violence designer may ask you to, to give a little speed. Uh, be aware, and I'm going to talk about that uh, in a moment, about what to do with that. But your default should be focus speed, slow motion. The other part, another part of control is targeting. The attacks of your blade should be very specifically targeted on where they're going. You need to control that weapon through the entire swing, for example, if you're using a sword. If you are doing a punch, your fist needs to go exactly where it should go. The designer is looking for that. Somewhere in there, targeting is not good enough, and I will pounce on that, and that really makes me question the performer's uh, skill. The other thing you need to control is your balance. If when you're doing a six or eight move fight, even in slow motion, and if you're falling all over or having to take catch steps, that's a problem. And so you need to control your balance and make sure that everything looks good uh, with your body. It's got The speed has got to be completely controlled, usually quite slow. Your targeting has to be spot on. And you have to control your balance. The next thing you have to do is commit. First of all, you have to generate power. Or I need to be able to see as a designer that you could generate power. In other words, you're throwing that punch. It shouldn't come from just your arm and shoulder muscles. It needs to come from your hips, your torso, perhaps even pushing uh, all the way into the ground, driving that power forward. I need to see that your whole body is committed to the attack, that you are generating the kind of force that, if we were going fast, would be would look devastating uh, were that to hit somebody. Now, the other part about engaging the whole body is your face. Yes, you're going slow, and I know that you just got this choreography and you're concentrating, but I need to see your face engaged and committed to the fight. Remember, When you are doing these fights in performance, you're acting. Stage combat is not just a martial art. It is not a karate demonstration or a fencing bout. It is characters involved in violence. So we need to engage your face. We also need to engage your voice with vocals. 
vocals of uh, pain, when you get struck, vocals of you know grunts of effort, whatever that means to you, we need to incorporate your voice. Now, that is difficult to incorporate full voice vocals when you're going slow. Normally, of course, fight vocals tend to be very staccato and very plosive. They'll be like, ha, huh, and that's very difficult when you're going slow. That's okay. But if you give some indication, even a slowed version of that vocal while you're fighting, that helps me know that you know the final fight needs to have those vocals. Do avoid the danger, though, of trying to replicate the quote-unquote slow motion voice, the oh no, don't get into that trap. That, That really, that humor, A, is old, and B just cheapens what you're doing. So don't play it for laughs, but give some indication that you know vocals need to be in there. Commit your voice as well. The third thing you need to do is convince. You need to convince the, uh, have violence that is convincing to the designer when he or she is watching it. For one thing, be aware of sight lines and angles when you're doing non-contact hits. You're throwing that face punch, for example, the illusion works from a particular angle and it doesn't work from a lot of other angles. So you need to be aware of those angles, adjust for them, and deliver convincing illusions. A big part of convincing hit illusions are hit reactions. These are huge indicators of a fighter's comfort level and understanding of body mechanics. If you're hit in the stomach, even if the punch comes in from upstage and all the designer can see is your back, they better see your lower back responding and your upper torso caving in and see that hit reaction from behind. That's really going to help cement in their minds that yes, this person gets how to do an effective illusion. If you don't, well, okay, it just won't be as good. Also, part of convince is acting the story of the fight. Even in an eight-move fight, you should make clear character choices. The minute you get choreography, you need to apply a character to it. Try to figure out what kind of character is suggested by that choreography. Now, I don't mean that you decide, well, clearly based on this fist fight, my character is Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman. I don't mean anything nearly that specific. But you should have an idea if your character is cowardly or very strong or brave, desperate, afraid. You should make clear, strong character choices throughout that fight and be willing to show a range of emotions. I often like to say that there's there's two kind of emotions uh, that you can act during the fight. The, oh no, and why aren't you dead? So when you see an attack coming in, I want to see that danger register in your face. When you are trying to launch an attack, I want to see that passion, that anger, that motivation, whatever it is, in your face that shows that that character really wants to injure or kill their opponent. You have to convincingly act the story of the fight, even if you haven't been given a story. A couple of other last bits about your fight callback. Sometimes you are going to be paired with someone who just can't move well. For whatever reason, 
They just don't get stage combat. You can be the best fighter in the world and your partner is a rock, right? They're they're kind of just throwing punches out there. Maybe their speed is all over the map. Maybe their targeting is completely wild and you've still got a fight with them. Does this torpedo your chance to get in as a fighter? No, it really doesn't. Now, of course, it looks much better if both of you are good fighters and you're working together well. But even if your partner is not as good as you or not good at all, you still need to try your best to make that fight work. If your partner isn't in the right place to make that hit, that non-contact punch read to the audience, in this case the violence designer, you need to adjust to make sure that there's no other way that they can throw that punch but that will make that illusion come across. You need to try your best and be as giving of a performer as you can. Violence designers can tell. I can tell when one person has a skill level of 9 or 10 and the other person is a 2. It's not a surprise. I'm not going to hold it against you. Now, what I may often do is pair you later with a more skilled performer to see where if... uh, if you can rise to the higher level than you could with the other partner. But be aware that there are partners out there that you're like, oh, why did I get saddled with with him? And hopefully, you know, you're not that person that people are saying that about, right? So once that's done, you do your best. The violence designer may well have you do it again. They may give you notes. They may also ask if you can do it faster. This is a tricky situation. I I hesitate to say it's a trick question, but I want you to be very careful about how you answer. If you have not practiced the fight at any speed beyond the focus speed, the slow motion, tell the violence designer that right off the bat. Yes, we can go a little faster, but keep in mind, we have not practiced it at anything above uh, focus speed. If the violence designer says, that's all right, take it up a little faster, let me see what you can do, then do that. Try your best, focus, take it up a little faster, and try to give the designer what she's asking for. If you go faster than you're ready for, guess what? It's going to look bad. So it does nothing to help you by going faster than you are ready to perform. I want to really stress that. It doesn't help to go fast and sloppy. Medium speed and dead-on controlled impresses me far more. So that's the best way to rock your fight callback. Remember those three verbs, control, commit, and convince. You'll notice speed is not in there because it doesn't start with C and because we don't need it. So anyway, I'm going to move on now to talk about how to run a fight callback as a violence designer because you might not have ever had the opportunity or the need to run one. In fact, the need is the first thing you have to decide. Decide if you want a fight callback or need one. Usually, I only do these for very important fight shows. If I'm running Fair Maid of the West, for example, I need to know that my best can can actually fight, can, can swing a sword. I don't want to have to train, uh, you know, an actress from the ground up. Of course, if that's who they cast, that's what I have to do. But I would vastly prefer to have someone starting with some basic technique under her belt. So, Those are the ones 
the, the important fight shows are usually the only times I will ever do a, a fight callback. And sometimes you just don't get the opportunity even for those. Now, again, like I said before, you're never going to run the fight callback at the first auditions. This is a waste of time for you and for those people who will not get called back anyway. So don't even think about them there. This is not the time for you to be there. You just deal with the people who have been called back for the uh, acting or other callbacks. Secondly, you need to set this up with the director if you want one. Obviously, to establish a time and the place, uh, there may be a separate fight callback, which is very rare. Usually, it's at the same time of the acting callback, but of course, space is normally limited in most venues, so you've got to set that up. Also, you need to set up expectations. First of all, is your opinion, is that going to affect the casting, or is it just for your reference later? Either are valid, and I've done both. Sometimes the director comes to me and goes, okay, so I've got these two guys that I'm thinking of for Tybalt. Is uh, one of them better than the other? And I can look at my notes and go, oh, yeah, this guy here, Bob, he's a great fighter. Tim over here, eh, uh, he's not great. And that may help sway whether Bob or Tim gets the role of Tibble. Sometimes I don't get to pick. Sometimes this is just, look, here's our cast. It's already, maybe it's already been cast. And, and or maybe it's an ensemble. And, they're just, and the director is just trying to decide which person gets which role. If I know how the ensemble moves, how they fight, I have a better idea of how I can adjust my design to fit the actors that I have. So that's another thing to talk about. And also with the director, you need to figure out which roles you need to see and therefore which actors will be included in the fight callback. The next thing you need to do is figure out what you need to see in terms of skill. Is it a show all about skillful blade work? Are you doing Zorro? Then yeah, I'm going to need to see sword work and maybe even some whip work. Uh, you gonna, do you need to see gymnastic skills? Is it all about rolling and falling? Uh, is it a show where someone just gets beaten and it's all about the pathos of this person getting pounded? I may need to see a fight that's all about hit reactions. So that's what I kind of look for. I kind of gauge the show and go, what do I need to see? What things would help me decide which actor is a better fit or would tell me what I need to do to adjust my choreography to fit the actors that I'm going to be given? Once you figure that out, choreograph a short fight that shows those elements. Again, I say it shouldn't be more than 10 or 12 moves. I prefer six or eight. It needs to be enough that you can see a bit of a phrase, a bit of a through line. Single moves are, are tough to gauge. I want to see how they how they incorporate choreography and how they can put a short story together. Again, showcase the skills you want to see. And then here's my tip for designers. Choreograph a second fight, either to showcase other skills or more advanced skills. Because sometimes people will blow through your fight your your initial fight and you're like huh i bet they can do more and if you have a second a little more challenging fight in your back pocket that really helps you can say hey do this fight here i'm going to give you another go off choreograph or, or you know rehearse that fight and show me that and then let me get a better idea of some of your either broader range of skills or the depth of your skill all right once that's uh, done on the day of the audition, obviously meet the candidates and explain, you know, the process and the expectations. Again, I always emphasize 
This is not going to be performance speed. I'm not looking for speed. I'm looking for control. I'm looking for commitment. I'm looking for you to to sell this fight. I lay it right out there. I don't see a need to hide the expectations uh, or the the metrics, as the uh, uh, elementary school teacher friends call it, of the of the audition. I, I want I want to tell them exactly what I want to see because that's what I want to see. So don't try to be, well, do whatever you want and be very spooky and mysterious. That doesn't help them. It doesn't help you. So next, collect the resumes. And I take a look at each people's, each person's experience and interview them briefly if time allows. Like I said earlier, Beware of that stage combat listing on, on under special skills. That really means nothing for me. I do look more for dates if I can figure that out. Or if I don't, I'll ask, when did you take uh, this workshop? Or how long ago? Or describe your state combat experience. Also, you can look for shows uh, and roles, if you know them, that involve fighting that this person has been in. If you look and go, oh, this person played Mercutio. Well, okay. That means at some point they did a show with fights up to performance speed. So they at least have some experience under their belt. I also look for where did you train? You got to be careful here. Just because somebody had a great teacher doesn't mean they themselves are a great fighter. I have literally had people with Royal Shakespeare Company credits on their on their resume, did stage combat under Terry Hands, and I'm like, wow, this person's more qualified than me. And then I saw that I'm and realize, yeah, you actually can't fight at all. So it's good to know who their instructors are. Don't think you're getting the instructor. It, it depends on the person. We all, even good teachers, have students that didn't quite pick it up. So make note of that. Also things to jot down, especially if you don't get a, uh, a copy of the resume that you can keep, Jot down their height and notes about their body type, because when it comes to choreographing that show at 10 p.m. two weeks later in your apartment, you'll be like, wait a second, what did he look like? How big was he compared to the other person? You'll want to know that kind of information. So then, obviously, when you get everyone together, at least or at least a group of people that you're going to 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 give the choreography to, teach the fight. I really prefer having a demonstration partner. For these, even if whether this person is a co-choreographer like uh, Rick Gilbert and I were, or an assistant, or just a student from another a workshop that you've done that you like the way they fight, just someone to show the fight so that the actors can see both sides at the same time. That really helps them learn the choreography. Again, like I said in the acting version, be patient, but this is not the time to teach the fundamental technique. So give it to them, make sure they all get it, and then. I prefer, if I can, to let them choreograph on their own. Yes, I can learn information by watching them rehearse, and this is up to you. You might prefer to do that. I don't like to give notes to the actors there because, again, I want to know what technique they already know, and because I think my presence there as both an adjudicator and choreographer, it it kind of puts too much pressure on them or more pressure than I need to. So I generally try to let them alone to do their own thing. Then, of course, you bring them back and they perform the fights for you. Now, the best way to remember how someone's fight audition was is to videotape them. Now, it's kind of a sticky situation. 
you you should ask permission of them if they can if I can videotape your fights strictly for the purposes of remembering you for uh, later choreography or discussion of your skills. If your actors are actors' equity, if they're union in America, the answer is no. You cannot videotape them. Period. Actors' equity has not come forward into the 21st century yet, and it, it it's a whole. Uh, <laughs> Pandora's box that you're trying to open to see if you can get rights to videotape them, even for such a purpose as this. So don't even try. Just try to take copious notes. Ask them to perform the fight, usually once, but twice is not wrong. Uh, I tend to let them do it twice. That way someone goes, oh, I missed that, car- that, 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 that move there. I forgot what it was. It's okay. Take it again. Be very supportive here. This is not the time... I feel that it, that it is right to be the hard-nosed critic and just look at them over your glasses and you know make them feel like they're two feet tall. Instead, this is the time to be supportive. We want to see them comfortable and relaxed because tense, nervous, stressed fighters are not going to fight well. So run them through the, uh, uh, the, the fight probably twice. If you see that they're doing pretty well, that they seem to have everything, they're under control, their illusions look good, they're committing, then I tend to ask if they can pick it up a little bit. And that's the phrasing I use, a little bit. I don't give percentages because saying, okay, now do it at 40%, I think is a little bit odd because I certainly don't have any kind of a dial or, or button I can push to dial up a specific percentage. So I just say a little bit faster and because of it's an audition situation anyway, they're going to go a little bit faster than that. So be aware of that. If they're not very good, why ask them to go faster, right? I can tell and you can tell very quickly a person's skill level just by how they fight in a, in a, in a slow manner. So after you have all that information, all your fighters are done, again, Take notes. Write notes about their auditions, uh, things that stick in your mind, even weird things. You're like, oh, this is the person that fell down. Okay, that helps me remember their fight uh, that they did because if I've got just seen 30 fighters, when someone goes, how was Jane's fight? I go, um, without my notes, I'm lost. After that, you may or may not have a session with the director. Very commonly in big fight shows, uh, the designer is called upon to give their input about people. They said, okay, again, I'm considering these three persons for this specific role. How was her sword work? Uh, sometimes it's helpful to give directors on a scale, uh, maybe one to three, three being, or one to ten, something they can hold on to. It is more challenging sometimes or or is too much information to give specific details about a fighter's performance? Well, you see, her targeting was a little off, a little high, her footwork wasn't great, and I can just watch the director's eyes glaze over as they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's very akin to the mechanic going into the intricacies of ball joints and, and gasket seals. For most of us, I kind of go, right, so fix it? So again, give them something they can hang on to. Well... They learn choreography very well. They're kind of stiff. Director goes, ah, okay, I can understand that. Great. Or I would give them, you know, a 7 out of 10. Okay. It kind of helps the director give, get a ballpark feel for how skilled this person is. You will almost never pick the fighter that you want. Because 
the fight is going to be 30 seconds, a minute, a minute and a half for a long fight out of the entire two hours of the show. It is much more important to get a good actor that you can work with to fight than get a good fighter who can't hold up the two-hour show uh, on their acting skills. So be aware of that. But that's it. Fight callbacks are not that hard. They shouldn't be too stressful. All you really need is some communication with the director and a short fight or two that you can teach to somebody and a partner to show. Um, Again, the partner is not necessarily critical, but I think it really helps. So best of luck on your fight auditions and your fight callbacks. I hope that uh, this information helps. If you found the podcast useful, do please let others know about it. Share it on Facebook. Head on over to iTunes. Subscribe to the show. Leave a review on the podcast page. That really helps, by the way. It helps move us up in the rankings. Also, if you are already teaching stage combat, tell your class. If you find this stuff useful, they might too, and they already have an interest in stage combat. Also, uh, the podcast has a Patreon page where you can show your support in a tangible way. Either a one-time gift or pledge a few dollars a month to help keep the show going. Just go to patreon.com forward slash violence design lab. And even $2 a month really helps defray the cost of the web hosts and shows that you value the content that uh, I'm putting out week after week. And I appreciate it. Well, until next week, keep the fights on stage and peace in your life. David, out. Thanks for listening to the Violence Design Lab podcast. For more tips, tutorials, and downloadable resources, visit us at violencedesignlab.com.